again. Uh, my name is Roger, one of the directors here, and we're so glad that you're joining us, whether you're a brand new listener or a returning one. I remind you, like I do every week, to fill out a Connect card so we can get you plugged into this community because we believe that you belong. Also, just a bit of a disclaimer, you may hear some noises in the background, which may be a little frustrating, but also it's very good news because today we are getting our HVAC worked on, which has been something that we have been praying about and financially planning for quite some time. So it is a good thing, um, but we will apologize for any noises. Uh, So today I'm going to do something that we haven't been able to do probably in six or eight months just because of how busy we've been. Um, but we're going to do a discussion about something in our church. It's not going to be a message. Uh, so it's just going to be a, a bit of an extra discussion about a specific topic. And today I have Jared. Jared, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jared. I'm the, <laughs> uh, currently the interim lead pastor as of what's the date today? June 6th. <laughs> so yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. So yeah, I, I thought it, I was trying to think of, you know, what we could talk about, mm-hmm. um, something that might be either interesting or important for our congregation or just any listeners. One of the things I talked, uh, I thought about is our 10 year vision. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about our 10 year vision for probably a year, close to a year now, uh, right? Over a year. We started year. in February of 2022. Yeah. And, and we've kind of talked about it and, and introduced it. And we're doing a little bit of work on the second piece, which is to bear the torch of uh, Christ's love and justice into our community. We're, we're doing some work on that, and that that's really exciting, and, and we could talk more about that at a later time. But I want to talk about that first piece, which is to reclaim our identity in Jesus. Yeah. And, and I want to take the opportunity to kind of talk about it in depth, talk about what it is, and uh, have a discussion so that people can maybe get to understand that a little bit more, because mm-hmm. they may not be familiar with either the language we're using or what we're referring to. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I wanted to do today. Yeah. Can I give a little bit of context yes, about absolutely. just launching a vision? So I was part of a church before coming here where they also launched a, a 10-year vision. And um, it's always tricky, especially if you're not familiar with that concept of what does it mean to launch a vision? Why a 10-year mm-hmm. vision? What, what's the length of time on it? And anytime you start one or you launch one, um, it is just that. It's a, it's a vision. It's something like off in the future that you you have a, a sense for, a glimpse for maybe, um, but you don't necessarily have handles on it. And so um, so once you launch it, though, things start to slowly take shape and some things move a little bit faster than others. And you realize, oh, wow, we, we maybe need to define that more or we're pretty good on that, but maybe we need some more practicality around that. And so um, I think if anybody ever wonders, which I have wondered sometimes, wait, I thought you launched this vision. I thought you had it all figured out. No, we don't. We actually don't have it all yeah. figured out. We are doing this collaboratively with everybody and, and allowing God's spirit to um, to move and looking to his word to allow this vision to come to fruition a little bit more as we sort of work it out together. Um, so I think that's just helpful context for, yeah. for people to know when you talk about launching a vision or a 10-year vision that – you know, t- 10 years from now, uh, well, I guess I should say eight and a half years from now, <laughs> yeah. it will look different. Um, what we mean when we say reclaim your identity in Jesus will look different um, probably in practice yeah. than what we thought it was going to look like in 2022, right? And that's okay. 
Mm-hmm. And and so I'm excited to talk about the first half, though, yes. of that reclaiming your identity. Where do you, where do you want to start? Where do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, so I think there's kind of two sides, right? There's a, the theological understanding, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about a little bit. But then there's sure. the practicals of, like, how, how do I do that? Yeah. Um, but let, <clears throat> let's start with maybe a few more of the theological questions. Okay. Um, so what is our image yeah. of Jesus is probably the first yeah. <laughs> most basic one to ask. So like, what are we referring to when we say uh, our image yeah. in Jesus? Yeah. And, and I think it starts with that first word that we, we should break out. The first word that starts in our vision is reclaim. Mm-hmm. So it's a verb, right? Um, what does it mean to reclaim? And if you're reclaiming something, that means that there was something there before. Yep. So, um, you, or you're, you're taking back something that was once yours, but somewhere along the way it got lost or yep. it got stolen or, you know, whatever. It was misplaced. Uh, so when it comes to reclaiming your identity, that's deep. That's like abstract. And so I think for us as um, Christians and those who study um, the scriptures, a pretty good foundation is to always go back to Genesis, always yes. go back to that that first creation narrative um, which you and I learn about in seminary is, mm-hmm. is less science textbook, less math yep. textbook, and more Hebrew poetry, right? Yep. And so, again, we, we get a vision for what creation is um, and how it functions and why it functions the way that it does. And so what we see, though, is we see God creating uh, humanity and creating in this phrase we talk about, creating humanity in our image, which is where we get that idea of the Trinitarian creation. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present in creation. Mm -hmm. And and God says, let us make man in our image. So if we break that down a little bit more, um, then then we can start to talk about uh, the image of God is our identity. And so... I think that's what comes to mind the most. Um, can we can we yeah. define that a little bit more? Because I, yeah. I think that's a and that's and we'll define it best we can. Because I think that's you know another one of the things that are debated mm-hmm. sort of theology of like what is that? Is it is it just a physical? Is it just yeah. uh, uh, you know the way we behave? Is it just so all of that? So yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I think. Um, and you and I, having worked in youth ministry, you still working in youth mm-hmm. ministry or student ministry. That's a that can be a common question of like yes. oh what, what does that mean like um you know that person's a man that person's a woman that person has different colored skin like how how are they created in the image of God but then I'm created in the image of God and so then if you start to talk about the physical nature of yeah. how we are created um then then you really have to deep dive into well, what does that mean in terms yeah. of diversity? And yeah. we could go down that route. I don't know if that's the route we want to go down just for today's purposes. I think the probably the better question is um, to, or sorry, the better answer to address is more so we are created to reflect God's character yes. in his image. And so um, reflect and reflect diversity too. Uh, if we reflect the image of God and God is three in one, then it's, it's less about me as an individual and how I individually reflect the image and character of God, but how you and I together, and then you and I and our wives and you and I and our wives and our, uh, well, my children, um, and the other people in part of our church. So all of us collectively 
reflect the image of God. And I think you and I have talked about this a ton that uh, most of, if not all of the Old Testament is spoken about more so in a pluralistic society, collectivist society, more so than it's addressing any one individual. Yeah. So if we are created by this divine um, figure, God, the three-in-one Trinitarian God, and that God creates out of joy and out of love, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is an important distinction um, from other creation narratives that are in ancient history. It's not a God who creates out of violence or anger. Yeah. It's a God who creates out of love. And we reflect that image and we reflect that character. Then we are endowed with the function of, of reflecting that love. Yes. And reflecting that joy and that beauty and that diversity in our world um, since the beginning of time. Yeah. That's our identity. Yeah. Like our identity is to reflect God's love and character and goodness and faithfulness, like all of those, all of the things that we know about God. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think something that was helpful for me was uh, looking into a bit of the language. Um, it's really fascinating. The word that is used there, the Hebrew word, same word for idol, which is not, you know, a word we use yeah. in our day-to-day vernacular, yeah. but but an idol is a representation of a deity. Hmm. So linguistically, one thing that has helped me understand is like, it, it is this idea that we are to be re- a representative of God on earth. So when people look to us, they're supposed to see God and, hmm. and that's how it originally was. So right. um, you can think about a mirror, a mirror too is helpful. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we are a mirror uh, for God. So, yeah, I think it's like you're saying, it's very much more so about the characteristics and the attributes, uh, the way he behaves, the way he treats us. Like yeah. we were originally uh, supposed to be uh, representations of that on right. earth, to right. people who who saw us. Right. And what I think is interesting about that is when you look at the book of John in the New Testament, John, um, John does a lot of work to draw in a lot of that Genesis language. And even yep. the very start of the book of John is in the beginning yes. was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Um, I think I got that right. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, one of the, it sounds like one it of the sound, translations. It sounds familiar, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, but then later on in that paragraph, he says um, about John the Baptist Yep. John was not the light, but he was here to reflect the light, uh, mm-hmm. is one of the translations, yes. I think. It, that, that mirror imagery, right? Like, I, I'm not the guy, but I am a representation of the guy that's coming. And and when you look at me, what I want you to see is is this other figure that's, yeah. that's far better than me. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that reflection yeah. imagery, that mirror imagery as well. That's helpful. Yeah, and and that's all good, but right. the reality is that's not how we look. Right. So you know why the question I had written, but you kind of already knew this is like why why does it need to be reclaimed? Right. So what, right. What happened from then to to where we are now, where people don't generally reflect all those good attributes exactly. of God? Yeah, and that's been the most interesting part of of launching this vision is using that word reclaim. There's been a lot of conversations because there's a lot of church history. Um, that has developed some doctrines that would say, well, no, there's the concept of original sin, right? Mm, yeah. um, there's nothing you need to reclaim. You're, uh, you know, they might use words like you're, you're depraved or um, 
using certain Old Testament language, like the the human heart is deceitful mm-hmm. above all things and you know wicked, and so no, you you've you've been doomed from the beginning. So there's nothing that you need to reclaim. Mm. You need to like repent and submit to the the lordship of Jesus. And I, and I understand all of that. Yes, but if that's the starting point, um, then it it can create a a very destructive yep. narrative in one's identity. And so if the starting point instead can be, no, actually the, the intention was for goodness and love and joy mm-hmm. and beauty and all of these things in Genesis 1 and 2, even though that that's, that's, that's a very short part of the story, <laughs> uh, because very quickly in Genesis 3, it takes a turn. Um, I think it's much more of a compelling story to say, no, you, you actually once had this, but yeah. it did get lost. And uh, the intention was for you to always reflect the goodness yeah. and, and the, the loving, joy-filled character of God. So, yeah, we get to Genesis 1 and 2. We see all of that. Um, but then Genesis 3, we yeah. see the story turn. And um, humanity decides to to go their own way, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we call that the fall. We call that the first sin. We call it fracture. You call it whatever you want to call it. But yeah. there is a massive turn in in human history um or at least according yeah. to this you know poetic narrative that humanity decided they could be their own gods they could be yeah. better than god they could replace god um they they practiced idolatry right yes. uh, the word that you used and and so in so doing they lost that mm-hmm. they 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 I do like the word fracture they fractured the image they fractured yes. the mirror yeah. right and so if you look at a broken mirror you look into it and the image that you that you're expecting to see is all fragmented it's yeah. you know your eye might look a little bit higher than the other eye or your your mouth is like offset from your chin you know it's <laughs> like it's like whoa that uh, that's not what i'm supposed yeah. to look like i think that's a really helpful imagery in understanding that you can still see a part of yourself yeah, but it's completely fragmented and completely distorted. And another word we could say is it's completely perverted. It's not what it was meant to be. Yeah, and so um, you have to go through the work, um, or or you have to allow Jesus <laughs> and yeah. His Spirit to do the work of putting that mirror back together. Yeah. So now, now I think we can get into more of the, you know, what. What does the action of reclaiming yeah. actually look like? Is that yeah. where you wanted to go? In a, in a second. Um, one more thought. And yeah. I actually had a question before we get to that. Uh, so yeah, to <laughs> bless you to, uh, to what you're saying in terms of like taking original sin, which is this idea that yeah. like we've all been born mm-hmm. sinful now that Adam and Eve were too far. Uh, I think there's a reason also we don't say restore, right? Cause restore yeah. would imply that it's completely gone. Okay. And that we have to rebuild something. Uh, yeah. We say good. reclaim, uh, it, because I think. To take original sin too far is also to misunderstand scripture. Mm. I, I think when you look at Genesis 9, uh, this post-flood, so this is when God is talking to Noah and how he wants things to be yeah. now that uh, Noah has to kind of repopulate the earth and right. start over. And one of the things he says is uh, he, he gives this really severe command that if someone kills another person, they deserve to die because mm-hmm. they have they have uh, defamed or uh, spoiled the image of God. Yeah. The implication being that it's still there. Yeah. So again, we, we choose to reclaim because like we're taking back something that is still 
there, yeah. but no longer fully in our possession. We're not restoring something from scratch. Yeah. So I, I think it's an important theological point when we talk about this. Uh, the question I actually want to ask before we get to kind of more of the, the practicals, um, is what, why are we as individuals passionate about people reclaiming their identity in Jesus? Yeah. I think we can both answer that. So why are you and I passionate? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Um, that's really good. So I think, so I'm a parent and mm. my kids are, um, you know, in their, well, two of them are 10 and one of them is 12. So they're, yeah. they're at a, a formational stage just in, you know, if we talk about human psychology, they're at that stage in their life where they're trying to f- kind of figure out who they are yep. and they're forming their identity and they're asking questions about who they are like literally asking that question like i don't know who i am you know um i guess that's more of a statement than a question but um and so that starts at a young age right yes um and if you never fully get that answer in the in that stage of your life Hmm. um or don't at least don't feel like you have uh, a semblance of an answer to that question yeah that you could go out throughout the rest of your life never fully answering that question. Yeah. I mean, how many times have you and I talked to full-grown adults in their 40s, 50s, yeah. 60s who are still like, yeah, I don't know who I am. Yeah. I don't I don't know what my purpose is in my life. I mean, we, we have life journey classes, yeah. uh, courses where we're talking to people, sometimes elderly people, who are like, I don't know if I've ever known my purpose. And – that can be really sad to be part of those conversations, to to listen to some of these folks and just realize they, they kind of look back at a portion of their life and say, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure what I really did or what I contributed to society or to the church or to the kingdom of God or whatever language they choose to mm-hmm. use. And so just to see a lack of purpose is, is really disheartening. Yeah. And um, as I go back to my, my kids, like I, I don't want them. Um, I, I, I'm okay with them struggling to figure out who they are. I think that's an important process. Like I don't want to just take that journey away from them yeah. and say, "Well, no, you don't have to go through all of the processes of trying to figure this out." Let me just tell you what the answer is. In the long that, run, that that's not good for them. No, it's, no, it no, because <laughs> uh, that's. I I don't think it's healthy and yeah. and I, I just think that um all young people they have to wrestle yeah. a little bit. That's that's part of their neurobiology development and all of those kinds of things as well. It, it's it's all good and healthy for them to to wrestle. And even the New Testament, Paul talks about um our character being built by endurance and perseverance yeah. and those kinds of things. So um all of that is good and healthy. Um, why I'm passionate about it is because I think when I go out, you know, if I go to the store, if I go to, you know, the gas station, I go wherever out in our community and I interact with people, there are a lot of people who, um, seem sad, who seem like they're just getting by. They're just, they're just, um, trying to get through their day trying to make a little extra money, trying to get food on the table, just trying to make it, trying to survive. And you look at their countenance and they're tired, they're exhausted. 
Um, and it doesn't matter what their socioeconomic um, status is. I've, I've yeah. seen both rich and poor people who have this demeanor of like, I am just trying to get through th- my, this life, this day, whatever it is. And it just, there's this sense um, that I have about people that I wonder if they know who they are, if they feel like they're loved, if mm. they feel like they have any sense of purpose. And so um, I want to be part of the the process where I get to tell people like, no, there actually was an original intention for you to reflect the the beauty and glory yeah. and love and joy of God. That's, yeah. that's probably the best way I could describe it yeah. for now. Yeah, you touched a little bit on what I'm passionate about because of students. Um, but for me, I, I think a lot of it has to do, and you mentioned this a little bit, like people are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hesitate to use the way, word culturally because mm-hmm. um, that implies that like people are only hurting and struggling in our culture. But I, I mean, that's not true. People are right. struggling and hurting globally. But yeah. some of the things that we're dealing with in our, you know, present age mm-hmm. <laughs> to use uh language of the bible uh has to do with a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. uh, a lot of frustration um a lot of sadness and feeling lost and and i think i'm passionate about partly about reclaiming our image because i think a lot of those issues are actually rooted in identity mm-hmm. i think a lot of those issues are rooted in putting your belief, your trust, your sense of value and purpose and things that ultimately aren't good for you mm-hmm. and don't don't last. Mm-hmm. Right? There there's this idea of the the professor uh that I studied in at college used these terms. So I'll use his terms, but there's this idea of what's called um salient identities and master identities. Mm. Um and he's borrowing a little bit from psychology, but he's a uh theological scholar. Um and he talks about this idea that like you should have salient identities um, that you kind of put your trust in it, not trust, but uh, that you wear at any time. So, mm. right. You're, you're a father. Um, you're a pastor. Uh, I am a husband. Uh, I am a white male. Like sure. these are all identities that do are bits and pieces of who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Which we can acknowledge mm-hmm. um, influence how we think about ourselves and how we think about the world. But he also talks about this idea that we should have a master identity, mm. an identity that all of these mm. other things are uh, subservient to, that that rules over all these other things. Right. And what he's really just doing is is uh, rephrasing Pauline theology, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul talks about, uh, you know, he has a verse where he, he talks about is no longer I live, but Christ who lives yeah, in yeah. me. Yeah, I was literally and, just thinking yes, Galatians two twenty. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and it's it's this idea that Paul presents of like it's not about me anymore. Yeah. It's only about who I am in Christ. Yeah. And Paul's kind of presenting this idea that like all that other stuff doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. right, he has he also has a passage. I think is it Colossians two uh, about there's no longer uh, Greek or Jew, for your slave mm-hmm. man or woman. Um, and, I think that's in Galatians two actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and again, it's this idea. He's not saying none of these things matter. What he is saying is what is it about is about being in Christ, and all these other things are secondary. Yeah. So, and the reason. And what has to do with reclaim, I think if, if we could learn to put our identity in Jesus first above all things, mm-hmm. then in those situations where all of these other identities fail us, we'd be okay. Right, right. Because we'd be confident in our, our identity as followers of Christ and our identities of, of as children of God. Right. All of that. So that would... I think not solve all of our problems, obviously. Yeah. Right? Like not that we wouldn't experience sadness or 
pain or grief or any of that, but it would bring a certain sense of security, yeah. I think, and a certain sense of confidence yeah. to be able to at least weather situations and storms that that bring us fear or doubt about mm-hmm. who we are right. or, or what we're experiencing. Right. And I think there's there's some assumptions that we do have to make that um, you know, use the phrase like finding our identity in Christ, which is mm-hmm. Pauline language, right? Yep. Um, and well, why would I do that? Well, we believe again as Christians, if the, if our origins start with being created in the image of God, yes, then Christ is is uh, the human representation, or Jesus is the human representation yep. of God in the flesh, the Jesus, the Christ, and so uh, they are three in one. And so, if I find my identity in Jesus, then by, by proxy through Jesus, right, I am finding my identity. Yeah. In what it was always meant to be in the image of God. Yeah. Um, and somebody, Jesus is, sorry, and Jesus yeah. is the perfect example of what it looks like for a human right. to be an image bearer. Right. Too. Right. He, he, he's what it looks like to right. do it. And, and somebody could theoretically just say, well, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in yeah. the fact that I'm created in the image of God. So therefore, I'm just not going to find my identity in Jesus. Yep. And like, that's another conversation. And I understand that. And, and I, I, I get it. I understand where people come from, where they um, struggle with belief and struggle yes. with um, any kind of divine um, existence in the world. I, I get it. And um, for those who are maybe on the fence, who are um, who who believe, but would be like that that one person who says to Jesus, "I believe, but help my unbelief." Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. I, I think I understand. Um, why does it have to be in Jesus alone? Could could it be like maybe partly Jesus and partly some other things? And um, you know, could it be Jesus and not just mm. Jesus and other faiths? I'm not talking about that necessarily, although that's a conversation that we could have. But Jesus and my wealth, Jesus and my job, Jesus and my uh, status as a dad or um, as a husband or as a student or you know any of those things. Um, kind of using your language, the, the salient versus master identity. Like why, why can't it just be all those things? Yes. Um, I'm going to use a youth ministry illustration that I used many, many years ago and I'm, yeah. I'm not the first one to use it. I'm sure I won't be the last. Um, we're in, we're in motor city, right? So let's talk some car language. Like if I, uh, have a Ford, um, and I'm trying to figure out something's broken and I want to fix it. If I go and get a Tesla, car manual Mm. to look through how to fix you know the thing in my ford truck um i'm going to constantly run into problems i'm going to be very confused i'm going to be very lost and i'm not going to i'm ultimately not going to fix the issue in my truck um because i have a tesla manual Mm -hmm. and and so um i think it's important that we use I'm not going to say that the Bible is the manual for life. I'm not. <laughs> that's that's not what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> um, uh, but if if I um, understand my created, you know, origins essentially, um, and and I try to find how to address the the fragmentations and the fractures in my life by going to things outside of that. Yes. original um created intent it's it's just i might get somewhere but yeah. it's not it's not going to get me to where i ultimately need to go yeah right and so i think that that's been helpful in the process of reclaiming our identity 
in Jesus. Yeah. Um, and, and why we added that tag yeah. specifically so that there was no confusion about yeah. that. Yeah. And one, one more thought and then we'll, we'll talk practice. Yeah. Uh, practice, practice, practicals. practicals. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I hinted at it a little bit, but like also all of those things that we place our identity in that aren't Jesus. Mm-hmm. So many of them are temporary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You and I have worked with students mm-hmm. and, you know, what do you tell a student, for example, a, a student who's a star athlete in yeah. his high school who fractures his ankle and is told, I, you're never going to be able to play sports again. Yeah. So what, that, that literally like, happened. That, yeah. li- that I, maybe we had this conversation before, but uh, I talked to a junior in high school in yep. a very affluent community at my last church. Um, I mean, he'd been playing hockey since he was two or three, right? Yeah. And hockey's expensive. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of money that goes into a yeah. lot of investment, a lot of time. And at the younger ages, I mean, they had to go to their ice times were at like 10 PM. Yeah. So like a seven year old kid is up till 10 PM, you know, practicing hockey that, uh, reinforces mm. who a, a person is. And I'm not saying it's the parents fault or anything like that, but like you do that over a certain amount of time, you have no choice yes. but to find your identity in hockey. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know if he had dreams or visions of becoming a professional hockey player or not. Even so, it, it doesn't matter. Like, even if he were to become a professional hockey player, his identity still is not yeah. in him being a professional hockey player. But anyway, he, uh, in his junior year, uh, he did get a pretty bad injury. And I don't know that it was, you'll never play hockey again. But I do know it was pretty – it was drastic enough to where it was going to be like, this is probably going to hurt chances of yeah. you really pursuing this as yep. a a long-term thing. And, he, you know, he's a junior in high school, but he looked like a full-grown man. I mean, he's you know, he's been in the gym. He's tall. He's, yeah. he's, he's built well. And it looked like a full-grown man turning into, you know, a four- or five-year-old kid who lost their parent at a park who yeah. just looked like he had no idea where to turn yeah. in his face, in his countenance. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I am. I, he, I think he literally said those words. I don't know who I am without hockey. Yeah. And, you know, our job in that moment is not to say, well, told you so, you know, you shouldn't have done that or yeah. your parents shouldn't yeah. have put you in hockey. It's like, no, that's – my kids are in events. My kids are, you know, in dance and and music and stuff like that. Like I'm not, the point isn't to take those things away. The point though is to say, what are the consistent reinforcement, um, reinforced ideas and ideals about who we are Yeah. and, and what makes us, us, um, aside from some of those, you know, good sports are good things. Music and dance and academics, like those are good things. Those are fine things. But at the end of the day, when you put your head to your pillow and you start wrestling through like, who I, who am I? What kind of answer do you have? And I, this young man was just crushed. Yeah. And did you ask the question, like, what do you do in a situation like that? Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, it was more, you know, rhetorical, but yeah. I am, because what, what do you tell them? Like, right. well, we'll have to find you a new idea. Like, well, right. Yeah. But I, you had a practical example. So I mean, what, yeah. what was kind of the path through that? I mean, I don't remember exactly what I told him. Um, and I don't, I don't remember that we had follow-up conversations. It was a very large youth ministry. So I, I wasn't necessarily like intimately involved in each individual kid's yeah. lives. Um, 
And so, you know, I don't know that there was much follow-up, but hypothetically what I would do is, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't sound fancy or anything like that, but just offer to just meet with him. Um, and just, just start talking through that stuff and just start unpacking that. I mean, honestly, it's part of the reason why now there are, uh, mental health practitioners that are overwhelmed. There's, there's like, you can't get in in certain spots because people are starting to realize I need to talk about this stuff. Yeah. I need to talk about some of the things that were in my past or some of the things that are in my present. Um, and I need to, to figure some of these questions, big questions about my identity. I need to figure those things out. And I think that's evidence that this is clearly a need that people have. Mm. They're just not sure where to turn. Yeah. And I think, I think we have a, a pretty good answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not. It's not a perfect fix and there is there is a conversation around the eternal perspective yes. that there are some things that um, as we go throughout this life, you learn how to manage. Um, it's not, you know, the moment you say a prayer, all of your problems go away. That's yeah. right. Like we don't we don't talk about it that way, but we do recognize that there is a higher purpose, a higher sense of what being called into an identity in Christ does for yeah. us. Yeah. And I, I think you also see, you know, I don't have time to get any story, but, but okay. there are moments in Jesus ministry where you see him confront people who have yeah. their identity deeply rooted in something. Yeah. And his, his response is usually to, to gently, yeah. <laughs> carefully yeah. Uh, point them towards himself. So I, right. I mean, that's the bare minimum of what we can do yeah. <laughs> in yeah. our ministries. Uh, so I had, I had two more things I want to cover before we, uh, we kind of wrap up. So I want to talk about barriers. So what are okay. things that often prevent us mm. from reclaiming our image? And then just what are practical steps and, and, you know, what are things in our church? Uh, what are things we can do in our, our individual lives, things like that? But let's start yeah. with uh, what, what do you think are barriers? Yeah. Oh man. So many, <laughs> um, potential barriers. Uh, I'll, I'll start with a story and then I'll yeah, see where yeah. we go from here. I don't have this planned out, but um, <laughs> one of my favorite stories is the story of Jesus healing the man at the pool of Bethesda. Yes. Um, and uh, I don't want to take too much time to get into the, the, the pool itself and how it functions and how they understood it. Basically they believed that this pool had healing properties. Right? Yep. And um, this man, it, the, the, there's a crowd of people around this pool um, hoping that once this pool gets stirred up, um, that you can go into it and you can get healed uh, of your physical diseases. Um, and there is a man who uh, can't walk. He hasn't been able to walk, I think, for, what, 38 years, uh, I think is what it, it implies says. implies close to birth. Right, yeah. right. It, it, this has been a long time, yeah. right, um, for, for this man. And I love the question that Jesus asks him. Yep. You think – uh, you think he's going to be like, all right, ready to go. Let's, let's go get some healing. You know, let's, let's take care of this. Or I can just, you don't even have to go to the pool. I can just do it right here. <clears throat> but he starts with the question, do you want to get well? <laughs> mm. uh, it's very intriguing to me um, because in some, in some ways, like I think about it in my very modern sensibilities of like you jerk like that. What is, are you? What do you think? I have been this way for 38 years. I can't get, of course I want to get well. How dare you ask me that question, Jesus? Like, are you trying to play a practical joke on me? But the man's response is interesting. He doesn't actually answer the the question that Jesus asks. He says, well, I can't. Mm. I I have nobody to uh, help me get down to the pool, right? 
But again, that's, that's not the question Jesus asks. Do you want to get well? Mm. I think what we have done sometimes in Christianity, uh, in American evangelical Christianity, is we have forgotten that God appeals to our desires. Hmm. Do you want this? Do you actually want this? Yeah. Um, and so I think um, appealing to our desire of if we don't feel as though we have an identity. A- awareness is one thing, right? Like speaking about barriers, some one of the barriers is we just might not know that we we lack an identity or lack a master identity. Yeah. Um, and so that in and of itself is a barrier. If you just don't know that that's an issue, then, then you're not necessarily feeling like you need to get well or that you need to find clarity on your identity. But once you have a sense of awareness that you're, you don't have an identity or that you don't have a master identity or that you don't have an identity where it's fulfilled and purposeful and all of those things, then the question is, do you want it? Mm. Do you, do you want that? Do you want security? Do you want... Um, do you want your identity in Jesus? Do you want to have a sense of purpose and direction for where you're going in your life? Honestly, I think that might be one of the biggest barriers is, is people just shut down and make excuses. And I do this too. make excuses for wanting to go forward in health. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we just say, well, I can't. Well, I don't have anybody. Well, I don't have enough money. Well, I don't have the right job. Well, I don't have, you know, uh, a spouse. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not the question. Yeah. Do you want this? Because if you do, then then we can talk about yeah. all of the, the other stuff. Yeah. But if you don't want it, then we're, we're just going to be running up against a wall yeah. every single time. So that, that might be one of the biggest barriers yeah. that I've seen in pastoral ministry. There might be others that I'm not naming right now that are out yeah. there that I'm just not familiar with. And, and I think it's interesting you see when Jesus does healing mm-hmm. in the Gospels, so often he – and there's so many stories. He he links faith and healing. Mm. Like you you have been made healed because you had faith yeah, in me. Yeah. You had faith in what I can do. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit of what you're talking about, like mm-hmm. – these people believed that Jesus could heal them. Mm. So he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, so the other big barrier, I think and we've actually covered this a little bit in our shame series. Mm-hmm. I think the other big barrier is we have a culture and a society uh, that tells us who we are all day long. Mm-hmm. And obviously we can look at social media yeah. is yeah. one of those things, but it's, just, it, I don't want to just pin it on social no. media because it's a bad habit. Uh, so that's one thing, obviously, but like we have family histories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the kinds of people that we hang out with yeah. and, and our desire to fit in with them. Yeah. Like all these things that are, are competing and telling us who we are. Yeah. And we talked we talked about this. We started the shame series of four weeks ago, five weeks ago. Something like, yeah. Something the like first that. message uh, that I gave, I talked about <laughs> Genesis three on this moment where Adam and Eve realized they're naked mm. and God, the question that God asked them when they, they explain why they are hiding in shame is who told you. Yeah. Yeah. And I got, it's this idea that like, I, I didn't, that wasn't my voice. Right. That was, that was the voice of the enemy. That was Satan. That was, so I think that's another barrier too, is just, um, Competing voices. Competing voices yeah. and, and believing that those voices come from significant sources yeah. or sources that care about your health and well-being. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> um, so I think that's another, that's another pretty big barrier. Yeah. And I'm passionate about that when it comes to students just because like they don't have the experience mm-hmm. and the history to be able to sort through some of those mm-hmm. voices. And they're so, in such a vulnerable position of like, yeah. I don't know anything else, so I'm going to trust what this person or this thing is telling me because yeah. I, I don't really know better. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I think it's really important to think about voices, especially when we talk about students. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. So last, uh, let's close our time with this talking about like what are practical steps. And yeah. I'll, I'll talk about, uh, one of the, the ones we have coming yeah. that, uh, actually formed as pretty much a de- direct response to this vision. Um, so in fall, we have a new life journey course mm-hmm. launching called Reclaim. Uh, it's, it's right in the title. Yep. <laughs> it's all about yep. reclaiming your identity. Uh, and we formed it because we realized that there seemed to be a gap between, uh, encounter, which is all about truth and habits and kind of growing in spiritual disciplines mm-hmm. and your understanding of faith and scripture and advance, which is all about learning about your spiritual gifts. And we're like, there's, there's something here that is causing people to not continue on in life here, at least get mm-hmm. stuck for a mm-hmm. while. And I think part of what we realized is because like before you even consider, the unique ways that God is using you in his ministry, kind of you understand what he says about you mm-hmm. and, and who he says you are and, and understand that that voice matters and mm-hmm. that that image matters. So uh, Reclaim is geared towards helping you do that. So that's one practical thing coming in fall. But what are kind of other things either we offer in this community or even just like suggestions for us as individuals of like how, how we even do that Reclaim yeah. our identity? Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's layered you know yes. sometimes it's based on what some of those barriers are yep. you know some some people might need um a lot of us need uh a counselor maybe maybe yep. a, a somebody to meet with maybe maybe it's a professional maybe it's a spiritual director um somebody else who has wisdom who has been there who has been through it yeah who can offer some wisdom and love and care um that's absolutely uh, necessary and and I think biblical as well. Yes. Um, and the proverbs speak to that over and over about the 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 wisdom of other counselors and advisors in your life. So so that's one I think um, that's super helpful. I think um, you know you mentioned encounter. We talk about spiritual disciplines. I think even though life journey is sort of forward moving. I th- I do think it's also cyclical. Like there are some some foundational things yeah. to go back to. Yeah. So once you start to to be part of that process of reclaiming your identity, I think there are some of those um, disciplines that you can go back to, like silence and solitude. Mm. Like h- how often do we actually like just take time to just breathe yeah. um, and stop and not hurry ourselves? I mean, we live in what suburban Detroit and, <laughs> and the suburbs are just a cesspool of busyness. Yes. So many families are just running ragged, um, just trying to get to the next thing, always late, you know, oh, way over committed. Yep. Um, and a lot of it has to do with status. Like, well, my, you know, my kids, this, and my kids involved in this and I'm involved in this and I go to this thing. And it's just like, just stop. You're just yeah. so busy all the time like when do you actually just stop and like the other day i i literally sat outside and stared at the ground and watched an ant carry like a crumb (laughs) or something like that i don't know how long i was sitting there maybe like 10 15 minutes but i just lost track of time just watching watching this like incredibly natural thing unfold and you know, some people might be like, oh my gosh, you got too much time on your hands or like, oh, you're an environmentalist or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, because this is, this is God's created world. And like, we were never meant to just rush. And Mm -hmm. so even the simplest things of sitting and just watching the leaves rustle 
you know, and I get it. I, there, there's always a tension too, because I, I, I understand that there are some people that don't have a choice, maybe like single parents yeah. who are just like trying to literally trying to put food on the table for their family and don't have a choice because maybe they just make a low income and yeah. in their, because of their circumstances, they're, they're tied to that. But, um, I do think a rhythm of silence and solitude and yeah. Sabbath is essential to, to, um, just stopping. I mean, how often do we have to like completely power down our computers or our, our, um, phones or whatever so that they function properly? Yeah. Why do we think that we're any less? Yeah. We, we, we treat ourselves like machines and that's just, um, we're going to run ourselves ragged yeah. and why, why we're the most, uh, medicated <laughs> uh, culture in the world yeah. is because we are are running ourselves into the ground. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a really important one for me. Yeah. I think, you know, more practically faith related is just being in community, being yep. in, in, um, consistent worship with other believers. We see that yeah. start right from the very beginning when the church gets launched in the New Testament is that these people were always together and always sharing their their food and resources yeah. with one another so that nobody had any needs. I mean, they're just taking care of each other. Yeah. So like we cannot do this alone. We cannot do this yeah. in isolation. You know, well, even, of, oh, even in the Old Testament too, yeah. like um, so when Israel is brought out of slavery – you know, God is teaching them how to be his people, his right. chosen yeah. people. Yep. And what does he do? He makes them wander as a community yeah. in the wilderness for 40 years. Right. So, like, how I, – I can only imagine the kind of life that you would have to build, the kind of communal life you would have to build being those people in that time. So, yeah. I think I, I think it's a – it's not just like – I don't want to nail it down as just like a church function, but it's like a function of being a person of God. Yeah. It's like being human, learning from him, yeah, and and being molded to be more like him is to to live in community. Yep, and that one's hard for me because I'm I'm really introverted. I love you know, put me out in the forest for a couple weeks, and, <laughs> and I'll come back right refreshed and ready to go. Uh -huh. um, but I also understand that I need to need people, yep. and people need me, and um, and so it. It's just a process of maturing into that and yeah. and learning how to do that well. Um, and then, you know, obviously the churchy answer is like, go to church, read your Bible and pray, <laughs> but go to church, read your Bible and pray. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I, so many, so much of what we just talked about came from just the consistent reading of scripture and yeah. just understanding how this whole narrative kind of functions. And I just continue to see the beauty and the connectivity yes. of scripture. So uh, don't just do it though as, as an academic pursuit. Although I, I do, I personally, and I think you do too, enjoy the academic yeah. pursuit. Um, but to to allow God's Spirit to move and speak to us as we engage with the Scriptures, and then prayer doesn't just have to be you talking the whole time. It can it can be silent prayer, just listening, yeah. you know, um, and maybe not even listening for something specific, listening for the voice of God, but just yeah. just being. And um, just being alone. I and mean, we see Jesus doing that, often going away to be alone with the Father. Is he is he saying, Dear God, you know, I pray for Peter yeah. today and you know, like <laughs> is he is he speaking the whole time or is maybe just observing yeah. creation, nature? I, I don't know. Like it's it's okay to just not have to fill the void with more noise and more speaking all the time all the time, but just to breathe. 
um, to meditate on God's goodness and his creation. Um, all of that is part of prayer as well. And, um, yeah, that's what I would say, practically speaking. Yeah. I think there's some good steps. Um, I just want to remind us as we close, like you said, this is also going to be, uh, you know, a moving target Mm -hmm. and evolving journey. So, uh, we'll probably have this conversation again in, Mm -hmm. you know, three years. Yeah. It'll look a little different. Um, Right. Uh, but yeah, I just, as we, as we wrap up, I want to remind you, um, if you're listening and you, felt a response or were uh, motivated or encouraged by something that we said and you would like some follow-up either care or just connection i want to remind you again to fill out that uh connect card i think did i talk about that in the beginning yeah you did yeah. but it's uh, always a good reminder <laughs> to fill out that connect card and just let us know that's also your way to communicate with us um it's just it's not just for us to get to know you but it's also an opportunity for you to reach out and ask for um help or encouragement or support so be sure to do that. Um, also, be sure to like, subscribe. Uh, I haven't actually reminded us of that in a while. <laughs> Got to remember to get back on top of that because uh, it helps people. Not to... because it secures our identity. Yeah, we don't need your likes and subscriptions <laughs> for our purposes necessarily. Uh, no, but it literally helps people to, to find us. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, any closing thoughts. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you uh, deep. <laughs> I know. Well, I, w- I can I give an announcement? Yes, of um, course, of course. If you hear this before June 18, uh, we'd love to have you come join us for Juneteenth, our Juneteenth celebration. And I'm going to try to say this over and over, that we are only doing one service for that Sunday at 9.30 yep. um, so that we can have a meal together immediately after that service. So it's going to be a big party. We're going to fill up the auditorium um, and then have a, a bunch of really good food together and just, just be together yep. be in community. So, yeah, if you can make it for that, please come. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon again in a couple days uh, when we do our message. But uh, have a great week, and we hope that you were encouraged or uh, reminded of of God or the Holy Spirit or your identity or Jesus or or any of the important things. Um, But have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Bye. I'm not going to say bye to them. Bye.